Hello, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. So it was dark and humid and hot. And I am sprinting as fast as I can go. Every footfall lands exactly where it's supposed to. I can't see five feet in front of me, but I am going as fast as I possibly can, hearing the steps behind me as well, falling exactly where they should, ducking under a tree I couldn't see, stepping over a root I've never hit with my toe in my life, but I've gone past over and over and over. Finally, I round a corner and dive out into the water of Spencer Lake. As a kid, my grandma had her house on Spencer Lake. My aunt and uncle had their house on the other side of Spencer Lake, and I spent my summers out there swimming. And one of the things my cousin Wade and I loved to do is at night, after it was all dark and everyone was out of the water, we would sprint down that pathway to the swimming area and just spend time in the water, diving down as deep as you can in the dark night, but we knew every single step on that path. And if you've walked that path, you know there's trees leaning way over and there's roots shooting out of the ground, but we had done it so many times we didn't need our eyes to know what our feet knew. They knew the path to go. And the same can be true as we follow Jesus. Some of you have discovered Jesus as that beautiful, refreshing truth, that deep, pure lake of the soul that you dive in, and you're filled with joy, and we sang about it today, and the freshness and the newness that life brings. But there's a path that we need to learn to walk down. There are steps we need to learn to take that we will become so used to the journey of drawing near Christ that we don't even have to think about it anymore. Our spiritual feet know the steps to take on the path to Christ, that we would form a well-worn path in our spirit life that draws us to him. Now, this is something that people have worked on for years. There are ceremonies, yeah, probably, seminars and conferences and books and countless things written about how to disciple, how to get closer to God. And and we're going to share some of that next week, some of the practical steps. But today I want to set up this idea and maybe even share the importance of why it's so important for us to take our next step on our walk with Jesus. And that's our big idea today. Take your next step on your walk with Jesus. Each step you take, you make that path a little more well-worn. It's a path millions, if not billions, of others who have followed Christ have walked before. Men and wisdom, men and women of wisdom who've walked the well-worn path of following Christ that we can learn from them. We can grow closer to Christ. And this thing that to some seems so mysterious and strange and like, what do you mean grow spiritually? How do you draw close to Jesus It can seem so ethereal or so like, well, that's for you people. I'm just going to ask Jesus to get me to heaven, and that's good. But God has so much more than that in store for each and every one of us, and we want to discover that today. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Ephesians 4, 14, and 15. This is our key verse for this week and for next week. Um, It's going to help us 
understand God's heart and his invitation to walk down this path. Ephesians 4, 14 through 15 says this, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves that carried us, uh, that carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. To know what our feet knew. They knew the path to go. And the same can be true as we follow Jesus. Some of you have discovered Jesus as that beautiful, refreshing truth, that deep, pure lake of the soul that you dive in and you're filled with joy. And we sang about it today and the freshness and the newness that life brings. But there's a path that we need to learn to walk down. There are steps we need to learn to take that we will become so used to the journey of drawing near Christ that we don't even have to think about it anymore. Our spiritual feet know the steps to take on the path to Christ. That we would form a well-worn path in our spirit life that draws us to him. Now this is something that people have worked on for years. There are ceremonies, yeah, probably seminars and conferences and books and countless things written about how to disciple, how to get closer to God. And and we're going to share some of that next week, some of the practical steps. But today I want to set up this idea and maybe even share the importance of why it's so important for us to take our next step on our walk with Jesus. And that's our big idea today. Take your next step on your walk with Jesus. Each step you take, you make that path a little more well-worn. It's a path millions, if not billions, of others who have followed Christ have walked before. Men and wisdom, men and women of wisdom who've walked the well-worn path of following Christ that we can learn from them. We can grow closer to Christ. And this thing that to some seems so mysterious and strange and like, what do you mean grow spiritually? How do you draw close to Jesus? It can seem so ethereal or so like, well, that's for you people. I'm just going to ask Jesus to get me to heaven and that's good. But God has so much more than that in store for each and every one of us. And we want to discover that today. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Ephesians 4, 14, and 15. This is our key verse for this week and for next week. Um, It's going to help us understand God's heart and his invitation to walk down this path. Ephesians 4, 14 through 15 says this, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves that carried us Uh, that carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So why is this growth important? Why does it matter? Why is it a thing that we should even care about? Like if we're getting to heaven because we ask Jesus to forgive our sins and lead our life, why try anything else? Let's just keep living life. Um, well, I don't know if you've noticed, but the world's a little messed up. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but you're probably a little messed up too. (laughs) I know I am. 
I know there's thoughts and emotions and drives and desires I have that I know aren't good, aren't healthy for me, aren't right for my family, aren't creating the things that truly matter in life. The world's a mess. And in fact, the more I've looked at it, the longer I've lived, I just turned 49 years old, so I'm not old yet, but next year I will be old. Um, the more I've discovered that the evil in the world is greater than any human system could create or form. The evil of the world is so permeating, so in every culture, in every belief system, in every place you go, it's much greater than any human system could create. There is a power working behind the scenes, and I'm not talking the Illuminati. There is a power working behind the scenes that the Bible calls powers and principalities, gives us a definition, Satan, which means the accuser, or the devil and his demons, there are real beings, fallen angels, who will want to destroy humanity, that want to mess it up. And they don't care who wins, they want everyone to lose. They don't care if your political party gets into office or, or who wins, whether it's Hamas or Israel or Russia or Ukraine. They don't care who wins, they just want death, destruction, anger, separation, hatred, depression, anxiety, Poverty, that's what they want. Hunger, sickness. The evil we see in the world is deeper and wider than any human could create, than any government could create. It's divisive. It's real evil. Not just something you disagree with and not just an opinion. Satan is a supernatural evil. So we can't afford, as followers of Jesus, to just put our hands in our pockets, sit down, and be like, cool, whatever happens, Jesus is in charge. I'll just hang out here till the rapture comes, and that's great. Yeah, the worse it gets, the better God is. Okay, I'll just hang out here in my comfort zone. Like, the problem is, because we live in a nation where we have freedom and, and relative wealth, we get a little insulated from that evil at least from recognizing the brutality of it. Sometimes the way it manifests in our lives is selfishness or desire for power or pleasure or comfort or possessions or an obsession with entertainment or sports or all of a sudden these little idols start creeping up and we're like, well, that's not me going and killing someone. That's not me on the front lines of war but it is. Spiritually, we disengage and we wonder like, man, how come, how come I don't feel like I want to spend time with God? How come I don't care about someone when they're going through a hard time? How come I just want to put my hands over my ears and go, la, 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 and pretend everything's okay? Well, it's because it's like this. So a few years ago, um, I think it was like, Seven or eight years ago, we went to Florida, Orlando, 
for a general council. Every two years, the Assemblies of God gets together, the pastors in the United States and ministry leaders, and we have a convention. We take care of business. We get inspired. We learn new things, and it's great. And this was at the Orlando Convention Center, and they have some long escalators there. If you've ever been there or anywhere with long escalators, they, they're like that. It's like, this is going all the way to heaven. I'll just ride it up. And my boys, one time maybe more than once, they decided they were going to run up the down escalator. And they're just going to do it. And they're like, we're doing this. And they're going, and they're doing great. They're doing great. They're doing great. And one of them misses a step, catches his knee on the metal edge, and just, I watch him go down. I'm like, oh, poor guy, poor guy. Here's what he does. He pops back up with a smile on his face and sprints twice as fast and gets all the way up. And I'm like, way to go, Ethan. He did it. He made it all the way back up, comes up over the top just smiling. And it's one of those smiles where you're like, if you don't smile, you're going to cry. But he chose smiling instead of crying, and he pushed through and got it. We are all on a down escalator in life. There is no standing still in our spiritual walk. You can walk at just the right pace to stay in the same place, but boy, I'll tell you, you will wear out. If you don't have the Spirit of God pushing you forward, if you aren't focused on a goal, if you aren't walking down the path that God has you, you will naturally slide backwards in your spiritual development. It will just happen. The churchy word for that is backsliding, which is really what it is. If you're on an escalator pointing it and it's going that way, you're sliding backwards. But God has a better plan. God has a solution. He has a power. He has a pathway for you that you don't have to give in to that. Even if you slip and fall, even if you find yourself making a mistake and misstep, you don't go back to the beginning. You can pop right up and focus on the destination, which is Christ, and keep going. So we haven't even gotten to point one yet, but we'll do it, okay? We're okay. The first point is that you are chosen to grow. You are chosen to grow and chosen to go on this well-worn path. It is not a decision you just came up with. Because if you're anything like me, you can have really good intentions and not always great follow-through. I am not going to eat any more fatty foods or sugar this afternoon. Then we'll see. I'm going to get up and work out every day for a week. And then that's good. You know yourselves. Some of you have great self-control, but you even know there are certain things you aren't able to follow through on. No matter how hard you try or how well your mind and emotion are set on those things, you still don't follow through with it. The beauty here is you didn't choose to follow Jesus. He chose you. He, cho- he said, oh, I want you, and I want you, and I want you, and I want you. The Bible says that we are chosen by God, that he wants to make us into a royal priesthood of believers. Now, I'm not saying we don't have a part to play, that we don't agree with God's choice or reject God's choice. That's possible. But to come up with the idea that you were spiritual enough or you were smart enough or someone was good enough at sharing the truth about Jesus, that that's how you came to know him, is putting all the weight on us humans, us fallible, imperfect humans, but the reality is it rests on God. John 15, 16, pretty clear. Jesus is talking here. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed 
so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. You did not choose me. Now here he's talking to the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples. And if you follow that story, you look at what happened, none of them chose Jesus. Jesus called them out by name. Simon, come follow me. Nathaniel, I saw you when you were sitting under a tree. Come follow me. Matthew, tax collector, yeah, come follow me. Judas Iscariot, you're a, a, a zealot, a governmental zealot, a political warrior. You, you come follow me. He went and chose each person. And, and it could be easy for us to say, well, yeah, obviously he would have chosen the 12 disciples. Like, obviously those he chose. But Jesus was walking around doing miracles, and those guys still didn't come to him. He came to them. And that truth continues. We see it all throughout Scripture that God chose those. He even uses the word in one place, predestined those. And that makes some of us a little uncomfortable. No, 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 I chose Jesus. I chose him. It was my choice. Yes, but he chose you first. He picked you first. He said, come on to be on my team. And you either said yes or you said no, I'll do it my own way. But God chose you. And so to know that if you feel like you've hit kind of a natural limit of your growth, I don't know if you're like me in this, but there are times I'm like, well, of course they are spiritual like that. Of course they hear God. Of course they experience the presence. Of course they're walking deeper and deeper. They're like this. And then fill in the blank. For me, this is, this is my weird argument. We all play mental mind games. Mine is, well, they didn't used to be a Christian, and they were in drugs, and their life was messed up, and Jesus turned their life around. So, of course, they're super passionate for him. I grew up in the church. I was a pretty good boy. I didn't get saved from much. And then God reveals all my junk. I'm like, oh, that's not a good excuse. I can be judgy. I can be prideful. I can feel like I didn't do too many bad things. Oh, my goodness. What a self-centered, prideful person. You saved me from just as much hell as you saved them from, Lord. There's no excuse but we can make up excuses when we aren't seeing the results we want to see or we are just grown tired in doing the right thing. Sometimes it's tiring to follow Jesus. It's way easier to sit home on a Sunday and watch TV or just keep scrolling. It's way easier to wake up and look at the news rather than go to prayer. It's way easier to just let your emotions respond to a situation rather than submitting them to Jesus and say, Lord... I give you my emotions. I don't want them to rule me. Will you lead me in this? It's easier to get even instead of apologize. And so we all have this natural limit to our growth. We find an equilibrium and we settle there. We just kind of, this is good. I'm not feeling too much pressure from Satan. I'm okay. I don't feel too guilty. I'll just hang out here spiritually. You know, when we were out, uh, I was hiking out in the Wind River Range a number of years ago with my dad, and there was a lookout that we went to, and it was beautiful. And we were tired. We had been walking for about four hours with 70-pound packs on our back, uphill the whole way. So we got to this lookout. There's a flat rock. We laid out our lunch. We sat there. We started eating, and it was good. 
And if you've ever exercised and then sat for half an hour and then tried to stand up, you're like, oh, what just happened? Did gravity get heavier on the earth? Something is wrong. And so we sat back down and we looked out and you could see across this beautiful valley with a gorgeous waterfall falling into a beautiful lake. And we're like, let's just sit here. And so we looked at the map and said, what's that lake called? The lake was called Suicide Lake. And it was a little hint to us, just because it looks beautiful and you're comfortable doesn't mean that's where you should settle because it may be the end for you. And so we got back up and we hiked the next seven miles to our camping spot. And it was beautiful by a little pond that was not called Suicide Lake. So we stayed there and it was wonderful. But that can happen on our journey spiritually. We get tired and we sit down and we get comfortable and we lock up a little bit. You're like, I used to raise my hands in worship, but now, I don't know. I just don't feel it. I used to sing the songs, but now I'll just let them sing them and I'm getting just as much benefit out of it. I used to read the Bible regularly, but I've read through the whole thing, or at least I've read one book. I'm good. And we just settle. We just settle where we are. And God is saying, oh, I've got more. I've chosen you for more than settling. Jesus chooses you to grow, you to go forward on this path. You're not meant to remain as children. That's what this verse says. You're not meant to stay as baby Christians. You're not meant to stay as kid Christians. You're meant to grow up into mature believers. And one of the marks I find of maturity, as hopefully I'm maturing, but as others mature, there's a greater confidence, isn't there, as you mature? A greater ability to make decisions about what matters and what doesn't matter. You're less likely to get offended by things if you're truly maturing. You're like, I see you have that opinion, and some of it may be true, but I'm not going to let your opinion mess with my emotions. That's maturity. Not cockiness, not pride, but a, a confidence that things are okay. I don't have to scrap and grind and push and grasp. I can trust I'm where I'm supposed to be and doing what I should do. There's a maturity that God has for you, not to remain as children, tossed around by every belief or teaching or theory that comes out. I've had three different conversations about with people that believe pretty extreme conspiracy theories. Not just your standard run-of-the-mill ones, but over the last two weeks, extreme conspiracy theories that I'm like, wow, they're being tossed to and fro by every wave of teaching, by every next YouTube video that is fed to them. They're believing this stuff, and they're trying to convince me that it's true when it's such an obvious lie. I don't want us to be tossed to and fro by every opinion, by the next best or interesting or most entertaining argument, that we can be strong in the truth. So Jesus has chosen you for growth. He's chosen you to mature. He's chosen you to overcome the equilibrium. He's chosen you not to be backsliders, but forward reachers in the kingdom of God. So what's the second thing? What is the more that he has for us? He's given us a model to grow into and a model to go into. He's given us a structure of what we're supposed to look like. What does a mature Christian look like? What does it look like to be running down that pathway, that well-worn path? What does that look like? like. 
Well, if you were here for our summer series, The Blessed Life, you heard a lot of what it looks like to be formed into the model of Christ, formed into the image of Christ. And you can go to our website, highlandag.org, and look under media, and you can watch all of those Blessed Life videos um, if you want to do that. We just rebuilt our website too, so let us know if it's working for you. That's our little, my side request. If it doesn't work, let us know. We want to fix it. But I'm excited about it. It's good. But The Blessed Life is a great series. All summer long, we talked about what it looks like to become like Christ, to be formed into the likeness of Christ, to grow up spiritually, have that model to grow into. Um, Two weeks ago, Tim came into my office, and he said this phrase to me. Tim is our business administrator here at church. He said, humans have a directional biased thinking. And he just looked at me and smiled. Yeah? Yeah. Humans have a directional bias thinking. Yeah? And then he told me, I was on the phone with this insurance, or no, with this investment uh, person that was telling us, you know, right now 5% is the great place. And and humans have a directional bias thinking, thinking 5% is our natural return on this kind of investment. And we just believe it's going to keep going that way. So we invest as though 5% is always going to be there and we'll always have that feedback. And I look at him and say, yeah? It's like, don't we do that as humans in our spiritual walk? Whatever we have most recently experienced, we assume that's what the future looks like. Whatever we most recently have been living in, we think that is the norm. But we have to stop and compare ourselves to the model and say, am I living the way God intended me to live? Or do I have directionally biased thinking? If you're moving forward, you're going to believe you're going to keep moving forward in your faith. If you've sat down and reached equilibrium, you think, well, this is just what it is to be a Christian, bobbing along. If you've been sliding back and you're struggling spiritually, you believe that's the future of your faith. And God empowers us with his Holy Spirit to overcome our natural directional bias thinking, thinking that what we have most recently experienced is the future of what we have. And I promise you, for every single one of us in this room, God has more than we have ever experienced. Some of you have been through incredible times of spiritual growth, accelerated times that you think back 20 years, you're like, those were the glory days. Oh, man, we would just stay and pray at the altar. And there were prayer meetings and Bible studies. And and the pastor back then really brought the truth. Oh, I want to go back. Don't go back. Go forward. Are you going to prayer meetings? Are you reading the Bible? Are you digging into it? Are you coming forward to the altar to pray? Are you seeking God's face? Are you digging into what gets preached here to say, how does this affect me? Or are you looking back to how it was because you've reached an uncomfortable spot? Others of you are like, I don't want to be one of those weird spiritual people. They're weird. Like, if I can just come to church and be normal, like, that's my comfort zone. I'll stay right there. Like, as long as it doesn't really affect you too much but makes you feel a little better... That, that's the Christianity I want. And I'm like, oh. It's like buying a brand new car and letting it sit in the driveway. If I take it on the road, it's going to need an oil change. Going to have to get it washed. The windshield's going to get dirty. Someone might eat in my car and it'll be messy. No, I'll just let it sit. In fact, I'll pull it in. I'll pull it inside so it really doesn't get messed up. And the whole point of that vehicle is for you to use it to get places, to drive, to give people rides. But 
ah, that's weird. If it just stays here, that's great. But did you know if you don't drive a car for a certain amount of time, it actually gets worse? The seals erode, and it becomes undrivable. It needs a full rehauling of all the internal parts if it doesn't get used. And the same is kind of true spiritually. If we just kind of hover, we find the equilibrium, and we don't really want to lean into it, you hover. And here's the thing. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We're all weird. Every human you've ever met is weird in one way or another. They are weird. So let's just let the weirdness be used by a God of peace and wholeness and comfort and right sound thinking that doesn't drive us to try to attain things for ourselves or, or live out of fear or overindulgence. Weird is when you are a fully whole human being in a world filled with half whole humans. When you have your emotional, physical, and spiritual needs satisfied by the creator of your soul, that's actually when we're the most normal. But some of us are like, I don't know. That's, that seems a little extreme. I'm going to hang out in the halfway house and be okay. It's like having your foot on each side, the boat and the dock. You don't really want to commit. And what happens? Yeah. You do the splits, which injures you, and then you fall in the water, and you're a mess. We can't do that in Christianity. we got to be on the move. We can't be halfway people. That's not normal. That's broken. That is the most miserable people I've ever met are halfway Christians. Jesus even says, God says, those are the people he spits out of his mouth. He said, I either wish you would be hot, all in, going down this road, running down the path, or cold, but because you're lukewarm, straddling the fence, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Whew, that's scary stuff. That has given me a little fire on the backside a number of times to keep pursuing Jesus. Because I'm like, I don't want to be spit out. I want all you got for me, God. Now, I can't stand up here and tell you every second of my life I've been sprinting down the path. Or even every second of this last week. Because I'm still growing. You're still growing. We're going after God. So as I share this, don't let guilt grab a hold of you. Don't let guilt be like, oh, I'm so terrible, I'm horrible. No. There's an answer to how we do this. Matthew tells us in 419, Jesus speaking, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. They followed him. At once they left their nets and followed him. So when you get an invitation to come to the Lord, at once do it. At once follow him. It's not going to look the same as the person sitting next to you because God made them different than you. But if you sense the Lord at all calling you in, if you sense him inviting you into a relationship, at once follow him. Step out of the both sides and step on the path. You may not know right now what that looks like. That's okay. Next week, like I said, we're going to go through some details. But here's what I know the Holy Spirit will show you today, the next step you can take in your walk with Jesus. The most important thing is to have that model to grow into, have a mold to grow in here. Right here is a mold, a vacuum, a sealed vacuum pressured mold that someone made. 
to form something, and what they decided to do was to put it around a watermelon when it was little, and as the watermelon grew, it turned into this. That is awesome. Very appropriate for this time of year, too. I think it's Frankenstein's monster. But um, if you hide yourself in Christ and continue to grow, you will look like Christ. If he sets the limits, the boundaries of your life, as you grow, you will find yourself looking more and more like Jesus naturally, supernaturally. But we have to hide ourselves in him. He is the model that we need to put around our life, not just grab Sunday as a little bit or a Bible verse that inspires us a little bit and carry it along, but that we encase ourselves in Christ, in his love, his grace, his forgiveness, his power, his purposes. Colossians 3, 3b puts it like this, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Let him be the air you breathe. Let him be the solution to your problems. Let him be the deciding factor in the choices you make. Let him hold the desires of your heart. Find yourself in Christ more and more and more. Talk with him. Linger in his presence. If you're a person that has a pretty regimented plan every morning of of reading and prayer and things like that, I want to encourage you one day or two days this week to set your agenda aside and just sit in the presence of Jesus and listen. Talk if something comes to mind, but just be with him. I know there are times with my wife where we just love to be in the same room. We aren't talking. We're not solving problems. We're not asking each other for things or sharing sharing something they need to know. We're not even touching each other. We're just present with each other because we're so comfortable together because we've spent so many years together that we just want to be in each other's presence. Jesus invites us into that to hide ourselves in him. And you'll find yourself all of a sudden thinking more like Jesus thinks, talking more like Jesus talks, deciding more like Jesus decides, caring for people you used to hate, Seeing the perspective of someone else you used to just think was a complete idiot. You may not agree with them, but you're like, oh, I could see how they got to that way of thinking. Wait a second, what's wrong with me? You're becoming like Christ. Because you're seeing them not as an enemy, not as an idiot, but as a fellow created one. A fellow embodied one that God has created for you to know. So linger with God. Hide yourself in Christ. Like our verse said at the beginning, rather speaking the truth in love, we grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Okay, finally, last point. That as we, we recognize that, that we need God and, and we hide ourselves in him and we know we're chosen to grow and we're growing into Christ, then it produces something in our lives that is bigger than ourselves. We become an arrow for others. We're able to point others in the direction to go. Where's the path? Where's the beach? That way. How do I get to Spencer Lake? Go that way. I've been there so many times. I can just point you the direction to go. Watch out for this root. Watch out for this tree as it leans over you. We get to help others find the way, which is amazing. It's not because we're so good and we're so smart. It's just we've walked the path. We've said yes to the one who chose us so many times. We've hidden ourselves in him. We've become like him that we can point the arrows to others. 
these signs are pretty fun that, you know, when we're at a cabin or vacation destination, it points the arrows. My favorite one here is 2,924 miles to Sicily, Alaska, or is that Arkansas? Alaska. That, that you, you know, that far away, they know how to get there. They know where the ski park is, where Bunny Flat is, which is where I would need to start skiing right there. Um, but they point directions because the people either know where they want to go or know where they've been and want to help others see that direction. So those arrows we point aren't always arrows from where we've been, but sometimes it's where we're going. And you say, man, I haven't gotten there yet, but I want to grow in my prayer life. Would you want to come along with me as we grow in our prayer life? And you two grow together. I know it's that direction. Let's figure it out together. Oh, I have a hard time understanding the Bible. Want to grow with me and others as we're doing this small group, how to read the Bible for all it's worth? Let's go together. That's the direction I want to go. Let's go there. I, I'll walk with you on the path. That, that we be able to be a part of other people's formation, other people's spiritual growth, other people's journey down the well-worn path that God has for us. And I find when I go with someone else, my endurance goes up. If I'm walking by myself, I want to take a lot more breaks and a lot more rests. But if I'm walking with a buddy, I'm not quitting. I'm not wimping out. Okay, let's keep going. You? No, I'm not wimping out. I'm fine. And you go farther than you thought you could go when you go with someone else. When you say, that's the direction we're going, let's go together. Who has God put in your circle of connections that you could walk with? That you could maybe have a conversation that might feel a little awkward, but would be so healthy saying, hey, I want to get better in relating to God. Would you, would you want to do that with me? Should we team up and do something? Let's read a book of the Bible together and talk about what we don't understand. Okay, let's just agree we're not going to understand stuff, and that's what we'll talk about. Okay, cool. No pressure there. Go for it. Join with someone else. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 tells us, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You see, as we go, Jesus is with us. He isn't just at the end of the trail. Surely he is with us every step of the way. Every time we do hit that root because we never saw it before and knock our head on a tree, every time we fall off the edge of the path and do something we shouldn't have done, Jesus is like, come on, come on. Yep, here we go. This is the direction we're going. He's the one that points the arrow, but we get to invite others to come along with us. Let me tell you this. You do not have to be a perfect Christian to disciple or to point the arrow for another Christian. In fact, very few people like the perfect person on the journey with them. Oh, you know everything, don't you? You know, oh, yeah, you're perfect. Well, look at me. I'm back here bleeding with stubbed toes and a knocked down head, and I got mud on my pants because I don't know. I'm not as good as you. But when you have someone who's like, hey, let's walk together, it's a beautiful thing. So don't wait until you have it figured out to invite someone else to go with you. Speak that truth in love. Like our verse from Ephesians said today, speak the truth in love. Hey, I got a better path. I think I see a way through. I think I know how we can get there. Let's go together. Not that you're judging others as saying, you better be better, but you're pointing them to Christ. 
I just met recently with a college, a recent college grad this past week that blew me away. They are going on a missions trip, uh, in fact, feel called to be a missionary associate. They have a whole pathway planned out for the education they need, the, the ability to become a credentialed minister with the Assemblies of God, their fundraising path, how much every piece of it will take, and then their launch day for when they want to show up in the nation that God is calling them to. And as I listened to this person, I, I heard passion. I heard planning. I heard a love for people that they said, I'll do, I'll do all this because I want to share Jesus with these people who desperately need it, who are hopeless and have not be able, been able to find freedom in their life. I want to go to them and serve them, so I'll go through this whole path. And as they th- shared, I thought, this person is going to impact eternity for Jesus. But it inspired me. As I sat there listening, I'm like, I want to run faster down the path. I want to go farther. I want to sacrifice more. I want to let go of stuff in my past so it doesn't hold me. I want to go the direction this person is going, not to the same call of ministry, but the same Jesus that both of us are pursuing. This young adult inspired me to grow deeper. She pointed an arrow towards the destination of Christ, and I said, I want to go that way more than I did before we sat down today. So as you do what God's called you to do, you take that next step down the trail. You never know who you're going to meet along the way, who you're going to inspire, how you're going to be a signpost pointing others to a life of wholeness, hope, and freedom in Jesus. So next week, we're going to look at the specifics, the signposts along the trail. But what step is Jesus asking you to take today? What next step? is he asking you to take? Maybe it's just the opportunity to even believe that you could take a next step. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe there's something that's been stirring on your mind for a long time, and you're like, I know I should do this, but I'm just afraid to fail again, so I don't even want to start. Well, he chose you. So rest in his grace, his peace, and start again. Take a next step. Maybe you're already sprinting down the path, and he's saying, hey, invite someone to go swimming with you. Invite someone to run down the path to me with. Don't do it alone. Fling your arms wide and grab whoever will come with you. But they'll think I'm weird. They already do. These are important steps on our path to Jesus. So today maybe it's taking just one step. Or today maybe it's learning those steps even better that you can run it without even having to think about it because you're continuing down that path day after day after day. So this next week, I want to encourage you to take the next step on your walk with Jesus. Worship team, can you come? As they come, maybe for you, it's your first step with Jesus. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to forgive you for every mistake you've made and to be the leader of your life. If you haven't done that, if you haven't said, Jesus, forgive me for my sins and be the Lord of my life, that's your first step on this well-worn path in Christ. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer that just asks Jesus to forgive us, to lead us, and then to empower us with his spirit. So it's not up to us to do it, but his strength is in you. If you want to do that, pray that prayer in your heart as I pray it aloud. Maybe for you, it's a rededication. You have slid back. You kind of don't have that relationship with Christ and you want to re-up today. He's right there saying, come on, I choose you. Will you come again? Will you come back to me? I know what you did. 
but I've already forgiven it. That's why I died, because that's not going to stop me from inviting you in to your future. Dear Jesus, I need you. I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out, and I desperately need you. Please forgive me for everything I've done wrong, every mistake I've made, every sin I've committed, every time I haven't done what you wanted me to, Lord. Will you wipe that off my record through your sacrifice on the cross? And will you be my God? I choose you as you've already chosen me. Now I choose you, Lord Jesus. Give me the strength to walk the path you have in front of me. Empower me with your Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord. Amen. And God, now I ask for each and every one of us, give us your grace to take that next step on the well-worn path that you have for us. Don't let us get distracted to the right or the left or, or get distracted if we make a mistake, but we fix our eyes on the destination. Fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, and take that next step. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. God Thanks for listening, and please join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for our worship service.